Hi, One Goal community. It's Elaine Boyd, Pelotonia's Event and Volunteer Operations Coordinator. Since 2008, Pelotonia has raised over $236 million for innovative cancer research. And thanks to our partners, 100% of those funds have gone directly to research at the James at Ohio State. Together, we will see an end to cancer. To get involved in our one goal, visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org, or click on the link in the episode notes. This podcast is powered by Pelotonia. To learn more about our goal 10 cancer, visit pelotonia.org or see the link in the show notes. And I really won't forget when she kind of came to from her surgery. I wasn't sure how we were going to tell her, you don't have one kind of cancer, but you have two. You don't always get to choose the cards that you're dealt with in life, but you certainly get to choose how you play them. Welcome to One Goal, a podcast from Pelotonia. We're a community dedicated to funding innovative cancer research through a three-day experience of cycling and volunteering. I'm your host and COO of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar. Your journey with us to the finish line begins now. Pelotonia is powered by an amazing community, and it's through research that we will see an end to cancer. We want to thank our major funding partners, the American Electric Power Foundation, Huntington, the Elbrands Foundation, and Peggy and Richard Santulli. It's because of them in this dedicated community that all of this is possible. As a nurse practitioner at the James Cancer Hospital, Amber Holbrook makes a daily impact in her patients' lives. While the day she graduated from nursing school was certainly an important day, it's what happened just six days earlier that's had the most profound impact on her life. Amber has been a Pelotonia participant since 2016 with Team Buckeye. On her rider profile, she features an important photo of herself and her mother, Barbara. Next to it, her bio reads, always teaching a lesson, my mom taught us how to look and see life rather than see loss. Amber and I sat down and talked about the unique and beautiful way she chooses to honor her mother's life. But first, we'll get to know who Barbara was in this episode of One Goal on their journey. I think one of my favorite memories, I must have been in second or third grade. My mom came into my room and woke me up in the middle of the night. I mean, it must have been like two o'clock in the morning. And I was like, is everything okay? Why are we waking up in the middle of the night? And she said, do you want to play hide and seek? And I said, what? (laughs) And she was like, do you want to play hide and seek? So we got up at like 2 a.m. and played hide and seek. My mom was a very hard worker, whether it was at work or home working in the garden with her brothers and sisters and her mother. She also had a very loving and joking side to her that could be very playful. Happy birthday, little girl. Hope you enjoy your day. I'll talk to you later. Bye. My mom was diagnosed with endometrial cancer in February of 2013. She ended up having a biopsy of her endometrium, and they had called her back in to give her the results. And so I was working as a mammographer at the James Cancer Hospital at the time, and she had texted me that day, and all the text said was, it's cancer. What were the next steps for your mom? Um, She was scheduled for surgery initially, and the surgery had definitely gone way longer than we had anticipated at the time. She was supposed to have her hysterectomy done laparoscopically. 
They found a 20 centimeter mass, ended up doing a lot of biopsies around the rest of her abdomen to see if anything had spread. And that came back as a separate primary. So she had two types of cancer. She really had kind of double the trouble with endometrial and ovarian cancer. And I really won't forget when she kind of came to from her surgery, I wasn't sure how we were gonna tell her, you don't have one kind of cancer, but you have two. And the first thing she said to me when she came to was, am I gonna die? And I said, well, certainly not today. So she first went through several rounds of chemotherapy, thought she was in the clear. About a year and a half later, she started having a lot of issues with her blood pressure, which she had never had before. And they did more imaging at that time, and they ended up finding that she had kind of metastasis throughout her abdomen. She ended up going through chemotherapy again, which was very rough on her. And I knew at that time when she went through chemo that if it ever came down to that again, she probably wasn't going to go through with it and focus her having a good quality of life rather than quantity. Let's talk about Pelotonia and how Pelotonia fits in with sort of your, you know, you've participated for a number of years and what Pelotonia has come to mean to you and if you've used it as a way to celebrate or really remember her in different ways. The first year I wrote in Pelotonia was in 2016. Um, 2016, I signed up for the back 50 um, from New Albany to Gambier, and I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't sign up with a Peloton team. I don't know how I missed out on that boat, because I think if you do any reading, it's pretty easy to get linked up. But I showed up on ride day. I had a black tank top on. I didn't own a jersey, <laughs> and um, just, said, all right, I'm going to do it. So maybe mile 22 down the road, I met up with two girls riding along uh, the road and they stopped and they said, are you with anyone? No. Did you sign up with the Peloton team? No. And one of the girls said, what are you doing out here? Well, my mom was diagnosed with double primary, so I wanted to ride for her and I also want to ride because I'm currently a mammographer at the James, and so I want to ride for my patients, too. Why are you out here? I've had cancer twice. So you're not with anybody else? Nope. And she was like, you're mine now. We finished the entire ride together. By the time I finished that ride that day, I had an entire cheer section from her family and friends, <laughs> yelling Amber as well, and... Um, a couple of my friends were at the finish line as well, which brought me to tears because didn't really think or know they were going to be there, um, which is really emotional for me because my mom was going to be there that day, but had some spike in her pain and such, and she couldn't be there that day, even though I got text messages the whole ride. So that was year one for me, which was really profound, and that friend that I happened to meet happens to be pretty well-known in the Pelotonia community, Shannon Reese. She's raised a ton of money for Pelotonia. She's raised an amazing amount of money. She was featured on, on our first season yes. of the podcast. She's pretty amazing. So her and I have been each other's kind of solid on ride day since. We link up every year on ride day, usually do one training ride or so prior, and obviously keep in touch all throughout the year for all things Pelotonia. 
I think one thing that I love about your story is the close relationship you had with your mom. That's what makes this journey so special. My mom has always been my biggest cheerleader. I had my daughter fairly young, and we've been on our journey together ever since. So my mom would help me a lot while I went through school and worked at the time. I won't really ever forget the blunt reality of her death kind of hitting us as I squeezed her hand and squeezed my daughter's at the same time, and as my daughter just rubbed her head and told her, you know, it's okay to go. She ended up passing away one week prior to my graduation from my graduate program um, to be a nurse practitioner, um, which was really tough. My first career was in um, radiography, and I specialized um, to become a mammographer during that time. And at that time, I knew I wanted to expand my skills and my knowledge and be able to pursue a role in healthcare where I could spend more time with my patients and have much more of an ownership in their care. So I decided to go back to school to become a nurse practitioner, declared my specialty as women's health at the time, and told all my friends and family, I want to work in women's health and I want to work with oncology patients. And all of them asked me why, and I said, well, I don't know, I think it's just something that I would enjoy. So I declared that, started school in August, and then my mom was diagnosed February that following year. So it's almost like fate kind of just played into that. My second year writing was really tough for me. It was one of those, like, I didn't really want to be out there. My mom had passed away, you know, just a few months ago that year, and that ride was rough for me. Like, I was just like, I just want to go out there and get it done with. And um, maybe half a mile out from the finish, this guy was riding up behind me, saw my name Amber on my tag, and he said, come on, Amber, you're almost there. Suck it up, buttercup. And um, it just kind of put a little spark in me because my mom would always tell me, suck it up, buttercup, playing softball growing up. So that was really neat for me. You chose to honor your mom's life in a really, really interesting and I think adventurous and fun way. Can you talk about how that came to be and sort of what that's looked like for you over the last couple of years? My mom was very much the type of person who was going to put others before herself no matter what. Um, she was an extremely hard worker. She maybe had things that she would have preferred to go do in her life, but you know, her kids, her friends, her family all came first. And so one of the things that my mom always wanted to do was travel to Hawaii. And while she knew that she wasn't going to make it at that point, um, earlier in her diagnosis, we talked about possibly going, but I think she was concerned about, well, what if you miss school? And I want to make sure that that's a priority first. She ended up helping us plan a trip um, to go to Hawaii, which at the time we bought all the insurance and such because we didn't know if we'd end up truly going, depending on how things came into play. Um, but we originally planned it for about three weeks from when she passed, and so we ended up going on our trip. So my daughter, my best friend from high school that I was tennis partners with, and uh, myself went to Hawaii shortly after. And as I was getting ready to pack for our trip, my cousin, who was there with me at the time of her surgery and who's really like a son to her, said, 
well, you know what you have to do. You have to take her Crocs because she absolutely loved wearing them and working out in the yard with her family and them. He said, you have to take her Crocs and you have to take them to Hawaii and donate them. So hopefully some Hawaiian lady purchases them and wears them all over the island. So it's like she's walking all over Hawaii. So we didn't. So we packed them up and... The first stop we went to, um, so when we went to Hawaii, we decided we were going to leave other things besides her shoes as well. Um, and the idea that we would bring something back from each country to her grave um, that we had purchased or found wherever we traveled to. So when we first went to Hawaii, one of the first things that we did is I brought one of her comfort crosses that she kept next to her bed during her illness. And we went to this trail at Makapu Point Lighthouse and it overlooks this whale sanctuary. It's beautiful. Something my mom would have loved because she loved the ocean. She loved walking. She loved being out in nature. And so I hiked up off the trail and I left her comfort cross up in this ridge. So it was kind of overlooking the sanctuary. And the idea is kind of that you probably can't even see the things we leave of hers unless you're truly looking for it or know to look for it. But if somebody does find it, we hope it's somebody that needs it. And if they decide to keep it, that's fine. Do you remember, do you remember the emotion that was going through sort of your mind and your head as you were sort of finding the right place for this cross and leaving it and thinking about her? Absolutely. I think that it brings a whole wave of emotions, but it's a really beautiful way to honor her. My daughter was with me at the time, and her and I got to choose that first spot together. And safety reasons, I decided to climb up off the ridge. Um, but it was really cool to instill in my daughter, too, that she's very much alive and with us every day. But one of the coolest experiences that we had in Hawaii, um, a couple days before we left, we realized that the Honolulu Lantern Fest, Floating Lantern Festival was going to be going on, um, which is done on Memorial Day every year. And it's a free event. You go to this park, you wait in this crazy long line um, winding through, but it's actually really well put together. You get a lantern, you can put pictures on it, you can write in it um, to your loved ones that have passed away. So we went through, that was probably the most emotional time in Hawaii. Um, I wrote a letter to my mom on one side, my daughter wrote a letter on the other side, and we brought two pictures of hers um, to put on her lantern as well. And so then you go to the park late at night, there are thousands of people gathered there. They do an hour and a half long ceremony to remember those you've lost. And you release all of these lit lanterns into the ocean that are just lit up and gorgeous. It's easily the most beautiful kind of scene I've ever witnessed. Um, and they also put a big net out in the, the ocean. So of course they catch them, they gather them all so you're not polluting and all that. Um, but it was truly breathtaking and it was a really cool experience. You know, my daughter and I just waded in up to our chest and let my mom's lantern go. And um, it's a really unique thing that we got to experience several weeks after her passing. One of my last nights in Hawaii, um, I took a walk by myself along the beach and on the way back, stopped um, into a restaurant at a hotel to get a drink 
and I just happened to be chatting with some of the locals there and such, and I would call him my friend now. I met on my last night there, and it was almost like it was just running into him, um, like I was supposed to that day, because I kind of told him why I was in Hawaii, and he actually was an internal medicine physician out in Hawaii and travels more than anybody I know, so we like to swap travel tips now. But just this past year on Memorial Day, he messaged me and he said, hey, I'm going to the Memorial Lantern or the Floating Lantern Festival tonight. Um, is there anything I can write for you um, on one of the lanterns for your mom? He's like, whatever it is, or if you have pictures or anything, let me know. And so I wrote this big letter up, and I woke up the next morning, and I had pictures, and I had a whole video that he put together, and he said, I'm really sorry for my chicken scratch writing, <laughs> but everything's on there, and it was this beautiful video of my mom, you know, floating in Hawaii again, so it was a really cool way to come back to it. So where, what was the next trip you took after Hawaii? The next trip I took after Hawaii was in Greece, um, which was just a beautiful place to be, and I know my mom would have absolutely loved the scenery in it. Um, on that trip, I decided to take a figurine of, uh, it was like a marble figurine of Jesus, as she was a pretty religious person. Um, and I left it kind of hidden in the castle in, in Ia in Santorini. So it's one of those, I've got pictures of us with, um, this figurine kind of hidden in the castle, and it's one of those, you it's almost like Where's Waldo, um, trying to find her <laughs> um, her figurines and the things that belong to her throughout the world. So that was beautiful. Um, and then I also donated a pair of her Crocs again <laughs> in Greece. And I found out that in Greece, it was a little more difficult to find where to donate her shoes because you know when we went to Hawaii, we could just go to Goodwill. We were familiar with that process. Um, when we went to Greece, they didn't understand the concept of goodwill when I was trying to explain it. And finally, when I explained to our bed and breakfast hostess what I was trying to accomplish, she had called one of the monasteries and asked them, do you take clothing donations for the poor? And they said yes. So we hiked up to the monastery, and I wrote a whole note about how you know this, these shoes carried my mother, who was a devout woman of faith, um, can you please accept this donation and give it to somebody in need? One of the um, coolest experiences that I had in Greece was the last day of our trip. I said, I really want to check out this bar called Baba Aram. And it's supposed to be like one of the top, you know, 10 or top 15 cocktail bars of the world. But I also wanted to check it out because my mom or my daughter always called my mom Baba from day one. I have no idea why that was never taught to her, but it was always Baba. So we go into Baba Aurum and I walk in and it's, you know, decorated kind of gothic on the inside, which was funny because I went through this like gothic architecture phase in my like late teens where I love to hang pictures of this, of gothic architecture. My mom always teased me about it. And you know, there's this big David Bowie clock on the back wall and I sit down and I get to talking to the bartender and he asked me, what's your name? And I said, Amber. And he said, Amber? And I was like, no, Amber. And he said, Amber? And I was like, close enough. I said, what's your name? And he, you know, pronounced it. I still can't pronounce it to this day. And finally he said, it's Steve. You can call me Steve. It's the American version. And I said, okay, Steve. And um, 
eventually he said, well, I think you should go check out the bathroom. I think you'll like it, which is kind of an odd statement. But I said, okay. So I walked back there and there's this huge cutout of Elvis, which was my mom's, one of her favorite growing up. And I walk in and this random bar in Greece, the bathroom was all Hawaii themed. One of the most profound moments there is we're sitting in this bar in the middle of the day and all of a sudden this classical music starts playing and I stopped everything and I said, I love this song. And the bartender, Steve, <laughs> said, um, do you know who this is? And he like didn't even wait for me to respond. So he's like, of course you don't know who this is. And he's like, it's Ludovico Einaudi. And I said, I know, I love Ludovico Einaudi. I introduced my friend to Ludovico Einaudi. And what was kind of special about that is I played Ludovico for the last like two hours of my mom's life. So, so you get back from Greece, you know, your, your mind turns to trip number three. So where's trip number three? So trip number three was supposed to be France and Italy um, with my daughter in August of 2018. And when we planned our trip, my daughter immediately said, oh, cool, can we go to Germany? And I was like, oh, no, we're not going to Germany, too. Well, then I bought our tickets going to Paris very cheap. And when I was looking at tickets back from Italy, they were super expensive. So I ended up finding tickets out of Frankfurt, Germany, very cheap. So I said, well, I guess you're going to get your wish because we're going to go to Germany. She said, cool. Can we go to Berlin? I studied abroad in Berlin in college. <laughs> and I said, oh, no, honey, that's at the other side of the country. And I ended up just kind of looking around as I was planning and I found hopper flights to Berlin for like 40 bucks. So I said, I guess it's meant to be. I guess we'll go to Berlin for 24 hours. <laughs> so um, the cool thing about the trip in August of 2018, so I ended up riding two days in Pelotonia that year for the 155 miles, and we left on day two of the ride. We first stopped in Paris. Um, we ended up doing a bike ride at Versailles and our tour guide at the time, Elia, he had grown up um, splitting his time between Paris and Philadelphia. I thought, perfect, because we brought shoes with us to donate in Paris. We brought some heels this time. We thought it was a little more elegant for Paris. And um, I thought, perfect, I'm going to ask him where we can donate these shoes because I have no idea where to go here. And so he had given us the name of a shop um, that was equivalent to a Goodwill. And he said, if that doesn't work, try the Red Cross. And so we took a very long Uber ride out on the outskirts of the city to donate her shoes. We get there and they were closed for the whole week for holiday, oh, no. which was a bummer. So then we found that there was a location kind of located closer to Notre Dame. So we walked with them there. And when we tried to donate them, um, the lady tried to charge us 11 euros <laughs> and I, I started laughing and used very little, you know, what little poor French skills I have um, to say, no, 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 we're, we're donating them to you. And she was like, oh, thank you very much, you know, for the donation. And of course, we'll accept it. Um, so that was kind of comical and fun for us. Um, from Paris, we took a flight over to Rome, Italy. Um, and in Rome, we had brought one of my mom's 
um, rosaries because we thought we're going to go see the Vatican. Maybe we'll leave it somewhere closer to there. It'll be a good place to leave It'll it. It'll be a good place to leave it. But then when we went into Vatican City, I truly didn't spot any place that I thought, oh, this would be okay to leave here or, you know, that I didn't think somebody would take it within, you know, 10 seconds of us being there. So we held on to it thinking we'll find somewhere in Rome to leave it. And we ended up taking a cooking class with a local there. Um, and this lady was comical. We went into her little apartment in Rome. And if I could describe this woman to you, she was so bright and cheerful. And we, she reminds us of almost like a good Ursula from The Little Mermaid. And she taught us how to make authentic pizzas in Rome. And this lady, she sat down with us at dinner and she told us all about growing up in Rome and different instances in her life. And we both decided my mom would have loved this lady so much. We've seen the inside of her home. We know she's a religious person. We decided to actually just gift her my mom's rosary and told her where it came from. And she was super grateful, which was neat because that is the only instance that we directly gave something of my mom's to. Right, so you know that there's at least one person out there who has one of your mom's That has one of her trinkets. Yes, we actually skipped up to Berlin, Germany first. Um, And so we decided to leave a trinket of my mom's in Berlin rather than in Frankfurt. And she had a little pendant that was an angel of grandmother's pendant. And we thought, where are we going to leave this? And we decided, well, obviously we're going to leave it at the Berlin Wall. The latest trip that I had taken, I took my first true solo trip in February of 2019, and I booked my trip to Croatia and ended up going from Croatia to Slovenia to Romania to Bulgaria. Um, So in Croatia, I left actually this random little turtle that I bought for my mom when when I was little. Um, I had gone on a softball trip, which is something my mom and I did frequently together, um, had purchased this turtle while I was in Costa Rica playing softball in college, my first year of college. And um, I left that in Croatia at a kind of memorial area in the city. And all kinds of people bring things to that memorial. So I felt like that was appropriate. And one thing that I found in Croatia is they had a lot of beautiful lamps and lanterns that they had for grave markings. So I didn't know how I was going to transport it home because it was pretty large, but I found one that I thought was beautiful for my mom's grave to bring back there, which was really neat. From there, I took a trip up to Slovenia. I had booked a tour at the time. And so I had gone on a tour the day before down to one of their national parks. And at that point, there was a group of, you know, four girls from Norway. There was another solo traveler from Japan. And our tour guide was from Croatia. He's only a couple years older than I am. And so we had a nice tour. I show up for the next day, and both of us kind of giggled because nobody else booked the tour, but it was just me and my same tour guide who had met the day prior. We went to um, to Lake Bled at the end of our tour to go visit one of the castles. And as we were sitting there, he said, well, this is normally the part of the tour where we go to the left side of the lake because that's where all the souvenir shopping is. But you already told me you don't like to souvenir shop. So if you want, we can go to the right side of the lake. There's a little coffee shop. We'll go get coffee instead. And I said, that sounds great. Let's get ice cream too. So we went down there. They were closed. Backup plan. 
If you would like, we can go get coffees to go and kind of cruise around the Alp towns and just kind of get lost and see what's out there. Okay. So we, I said, well, we have to do one other thing first on the lake. And he said, what's that? And I told him I brought one of my mom's crosses that I wanted to leave. So we cruised around the lake first um, to leave her cross, which was a really, really beautiful, it's probably the most beautiful spot we've left anything of hers at. And we've kept in touch since, and I'll still get pictures from Lake Blood and saying, Barb says hi today, you know, um, from Lake Blood, which is really cool. So all along, sort of your journey since your mom's passing, there continues to be these glimmers of her sort of showing up in, in different ways through different people or different experiences. Absolutely, I think you can kind of choose and accept the signs that you're given if you want to. We are so grateful for Amber sharing her incredible story and the amazing way she chooses to honor her mom's life. We're also thankful for our major funding partners, the American Electric Power Foundation, Huntington, the L Brands Foundation, and Peggy and Richard Santulli. Here's what you can expect on the next episode of One Goal. The opportunity to do something to remember a loved one is one that I think shouldn't be passed up. You know, we, when we lose people we love, uh, you know, we have so many memories of them and I think it's easy to lose sight of those. And so having this internship, first of all, you know, on a very personal level is a way to honor her legacy and, you know, be able to, uh, at least on a yearly basis, have this touch point with the memories that we have. You've been listening to One Goal, a podcast from Pelotonia. The first half of season two will be hosted by me, Chief Operating Officer of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar, with interview and production scheduling by our marketing and communications team duo, Emily Smith and Gabby Blower. Produced, mixed, and sound designed at the studios of Wessler Media by Vince Tornero. Additional mastering by Joey Gerwin at Orin Judio. Special thank you to all of our guests for being so open and willing to share their amazing stories. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as that will help others hear these empowering journeys. If you're curious about joining the Pelotonia community, please see the link in the episode notes or visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org.